Hi, we are here at TechNet Cyber 2023 in Baltimore. My name is Anastasia Obis, and I'm joined today by Lieutenant General Maria Barrett. General Barrett, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I was listening in, on your panel, and it was a great discussion. Is there anything that stood out to you in particular? I think the one thing that really stood out was just the universal priority among all the cyber component commanders about readiness being their number one priority. We, You can give us the best tools, the best material, best technology, um, if we don't have the people to operate it. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, in your opening remarks, you were talking about data management, and of course, you touched on uh, zero trust. So I was wondering if we can kind of pull on that thread. And the Defense Department's deadline for receiving zero trust implementation plans from the service branches is in October. What does the Army need to overcome to implement this department-wide effort? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question, because when you talk about zero trust, a lot of people might tend to think that there's a one solution, that you can go to the store, go buy a box of Zero Trust, and then implement that, and it will be done. Anybody who's been looking at this in the department understands that it is a framework, and it is about implementing certain types of technologies and solutions in a way that actually gets to this piece of really understanding your users, understanding the security of the data, and understanding the resources. In a, in a way that is less about boundary security and more about securing securing the data, understanding data at rest, understanding data in transit, um, which is one of the things that we talked about in that panel. And so as we have taken a look at the existing and programmed capabilities that we have for the Army, there are, we can implement them according to the zero trust principles in a way that delivers and meets the objectives for the DOD mandates. So we believe we'll, when we submit our plan, we will, we will, it will be acceptable to DOD in terms of our approach. Yeah, and in terms of data management, I'm curious how you promote that literacy and make sure that you are implementing the data that you actually need. Yeah. I, I do think that's a really important question because it, as a person who has dealt with technology over the last 34 years, what organizations sometimes, what makes the difference between a successful deployment and an unsuccessful implementation is really whether or not you're actually looking at some of those things like processes and training. If you just come in and plunk the technology down, and I see you have a, a wonderful computer sitting in front of you, but if you only use a fifth of the capabilities that that computer can actually do for you, what did we really spend $2,000 on, assuming that's what you pay for that computer? And, and I think it's the same thing with anything that we deploy in our networks. If you don't understand how it's going to fit in and really optimize it, and I think this is going to be part of the homework that we have to do in terms of as we lay in, you know, and for example, I talked about um, we know that there are a number of capabilities that we already have um, or will have shortly uh, deployed. How do these 
we have to do our due diligence to come back and go, did we just deploy a capability? Are we actually operating them according to zero trust principles? And that's going to be very different for our operators and defenders to make that switch. We also have to understand that we're making the switch at the same time we we have not completed it. And so it's if I were to draw an analogy, I would it would be like a home renovation and you're going to take out a load bearing wall. And we haven't quite put that steel beam in yet. How We still have to operate this network. We would prefer not to operate it at risk. We'd like to get that steel beam in place before we actually start operating according to the zero trust principles. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, the workforce, and I really wanted to get your thoughts about Congress and their conversations um, around creating a dedicated military service uh, for cyber. I wanted to get your perspective and your thoughts on this. So I understand where it comes from. Uh, I there is a desire for this force to be successful. And so I I take the intent of, of some of the messages that we're getting from Congress very seriously in that regard. But when you think about um, really the complexity of, of what that means, I do not think it would be the best thing for our cyber forces um, for Cyber Command, it wouldn't be the best thing for the Army as well. And let me go down the Army road a little bit with that thought. The Army has built a number of cyber forces um, at the core and below level. And so when you think about actually having a cyber force, where does that line get drawn between what is Cyber Command and what would be a service or is would the service have to give up those tactical cyber forces that they're building? Where does it start and stop from a defender standpoint? We have integrated these things so, in my opinion, well, um, we would now have to go through this decomposition. And I don't know if that would be in the best interest, given some of the, th the very active threat environment that we're dealing with, we would spend a lot of time trying to do that decomposition. Thank you for that very thoughtful answer. And I also wanted to get your perspective on JETC2. So as the Defense Department is moving towards implementing JETC2, what are some of the uh, zero trust use cases that came out of projects such as Project Convergence? And what are some of the lessons learned? Well, I, I think the Project Convergence wasn't necessarily about zero trust. Um, I do think it was about how is it that we seamlessly share and move data uh, between domains in order to accomplish the, the tasks that they scoped for the Project Convergence exercise. And so I do think that was fairly successful at, in terms of being able to um, provide a data fabric um, for that type of information to move seamlessly. Now lay in, we do need to lay in the zero trust piece of this to make sure that, you know, 
the commander's ability to now use that information that's traveling over the data fabric that we've been demonstrating in either JADC2 exercises or project convergence is secure and not really um, make the data the Achilles heel of the commander's decision-making process. <laughs> Makes sense. And, you know, Jane Albert, you've been in this position for a year. <laughs> it's exactly a year. Do I understand that right? It, it, next week, it'll be a year. Next week, you're going to celebrate a year. And, you know, you've been in this position a whole year, and it's been a really big year. So I wanted to get your thoughts in terms of what you think were the highlights of this year, but also what were some of the biggest obstacles during this year? So I, I would start by saying I think some of the highlights of the year is um, really when we are at our best, we are responding uh, to the needs of the warfighter. And to see how um, everybody really came together in the European theater to support um, activities associated with the invasion of Ukraine. I think that has to be a highlight, and it and it's a and it's a full spectrum highlight. It's everything from operating the networks to hardening them, um, to defending them, to all the other operations that we would do. Uh, in a and to be work so closely also with my um, Air Force cyber uh, counterparts that. Uh, are they have the lead in the European theater and support um, UCOM. And, and this is exactly the way that we were designed to operate uh, and exchange information and make each other aware of what is going on. Uh, what I do see is the challenges, you know, um, that are upon us is, you know, the complexity of what we do every day, uh, the training of the workforce, how do we keep up with really a very uh, fluid environment in terms of technology insertion and emerging capabilities and threats? And how do we keep that workforce, um, you know, where we need them to be to deal with those types of challenges? I think that's going to be a continual challenge for us, all of the service component commanders. Um, we all share this concern about continually keeping up. And um, you will probably mention some of this, some of what you just said, but in terms of your priorities for the rest of the year and for the next year, what are you working on? Well, the priorities are readiness, readiness, and readiness, but I think you wanted a little bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, so we will continue to expand upon those initiatives, and we will fight for every intern. We will go to every academic institution that we have a relationship with in order to build those relationships and really ensure that people have an understanding of what we do, why it's important, and that this could be a very good place for them to fit in. Once we bring them on board, we need to keep them. And, and again, I talked to that challenge of ensuring that they can keep up with um, emerging trends. The second thing that I think we need to do is um, as the department continues to leverage cloud in their operations, 
and other commercial services. We need to make sure that we go into those things eyes wide open, that we understand how our defenses need to be modified for the different terrain that we're operating in. Just as an infantryman might operate a certain way in the desert, when we send him off into the mountains, he's got to change what he is doing. And and we need to do the same thing. And I, I think the department's very swift move to the cloud. We need to make sure that that is balanced with how we're adapting our defenses as we also look at how um, threats are adapting their operations as well. And I, I think that's going to be a continual uh, process for us in order to ensure that, you know, our information is is secure. Yeah. General Barrett, I know you have to go, but thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No, I really enjoyed the opportunity. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.